This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Uh, hello, fellow viewers. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm still bad at these. Uh, but <laughs> we're, we're coming in hot uh, because today we have a, a comic writer that I'm very excited to talk to. She's done stuff for, what, 2000 AD, Ahoy, Scout. Yep. Uh, and you've got a bevy of other stuff uh, available to read. We have Honor Vincent with us today. Hello, Honor. How are you? Hi, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And I, I know this is an individual medium, and I apologize for that. But <laughs> the 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 cat pictures behind her are just beautiful. <laughs> like I didn't show you my shirt either. No. Well, there no, nobody's gonna be able to see this, but. <laughs> It's a cat in a space suit. Very serious astronaut portrait of a cat. I wish I would have known. I have a shirt with a grumpy cat looking into the moon and another grumpy cat looking down. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but you you are a, a proud cat mom, correct? Very proud. Very proud. I have three beautiful children. Um, <laughs> they're great. Love them what dearly. Are what are their names? Uh, so we have Cheese, who is a big orange boy. Uh, Peanut who is a large brown cat, and then Wren, like the bird, who oh. screams all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like the bird? Like the bird, yeah, kind of. Part of me was hoping for three food names because that would I have know. been... <laughs> I know. It would have been too good. We, um, When my husband and I, when we were dating and we moved in together, we had to merge our cat, you know, clouders into one mega clouder. So we actually had five at that point um, oh years gosh. ago. So it was... It was nerve-wracking because you never know what a cat's gonna do. They're really beings of chaos. Did they? Did they get along okay? This, welcome to Cat Talk. Uh... <laughs> We're here now. Uh, <laughs> yes, they they did surprisingly. The ones it was the best you could hope for. Like a couple of them liked each other, and then the rest just avoided each other, and it was fine. Nobody got murdered. Oh, well, that's <laughs> always a great thing in yeah. any situation. Yeah. <laughs> So, Honor, I would like to know, whereabouts did you grow up? 
Yeah, so I was born in Queens uh, in Flushing. Uh, and then my parents moved us out to Long Island when I was about four. So that's where I grew up. Um, I don't okay. know if familiar with the area, but uh, close to the beach, uh, south shore of Long Island. It was very nice, like suburban upbringing. And then came back to the city for college and have remained there. I'm very provincial. I didn't move around a lot. <laughs> and I'm a little disappointed that uh, you say you grew up in Long Island, but you didn't say Long Island. I know. I, you got to fight it. If I've spent time, time with my parents, it, it comes out. It's hard to fight it. Oh, no. It's worse. Yeah, I, now I'm thinking about it. They have some serious, the Queens and Long Island accents are almost the same. Okay. Now they've kind of blended, because so many people have moved out to, mm -hmm. from the boroughs out, out east. But theirs are pretty, pretty perfect. Like, you know, they're not, they don't have the same, timber voices Fran Drescher but like that's the accent <laughs> it's beautiful I love it well it's it's such like a definitive uh regional dialect and I don't know I kind of am more favorable towards that than like the regular gruff New York one that like mm. I imagine cabbies leaning out of their, their windows <laughs> and shouting in, in that one yeah well my uncle was a cabbie and he he had a pretty gruff voice <laughs> so <laughs> It's yeah, it's real. I think that's more like the kind of stereotypical Bronx, Brooklyn's like a little mm -hmm. harder. Yeah, but I mean, my grandpa was from you know Brooklyn and Queens, and he used to say Turlet and Earl. Oh, wow, <laughs> like he had the real one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in New York, which is I would say it's one of the destination points for any comics fan, yeah. just because of how in, entrenched it is in like Marvel history. Did you find yourself? Uh, like drawn to Marvel comics or comics in general because of that? I think maybe the other way around a little bit as I started reading them, it was like, oh, Gotham is New York. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> I'm from the land of Peter Parker. Like, that's fun. Uh, so it was more kind of a recognition thing. Like once I got, because I started reading them pretty young. Uh, my okay. dad's a huge comic book guy and has a like, you know, floor to ceiling shelving unit of hundreds and hundreds of them. And he always, you know, he was a stay-at-home dad when I was a kid, so it was very much, you know, we hung out and he would, like, read to me and then, you know, kind of work with me to, like, all right, you're almost at chapter books, but not quite, so we're going to put you on comic books now. Um, so that was kind of, like, my bridge between kids' books and, and The Hobbit, which is, like, the first novel I read. So, like, a lot of early X-Men stuff and some Spider-Man, and it was more like, okay, this is so cool. I live in, you know... Metropolis got like all of <laughs> everything is New York, uh, which is a very New Yorker thing to say. We're very snotty. <laughs> no, really? New Yorkers? It's the center of the universe. Yeah. And what other types of stuff were you into as a kid? Reading wise? Just, just like general. life wise. <laughs> the whole the whole shebang. Yeah, I mean, I was a big reader. I I loved reading. Um a, a real apocryphal story from my childhood is when I I did something bad when I was like seven, six, uh, and I <laughs> they were like, "All right, go to your room, sit in your bed, no books, like just like sit and like you're in timeout." And my mom came up and she looks in and I was reading the tag on my pillow, <laughs> like, you know, I was just sitting there like spitefully reading it, like you said, no books, but. <laughs> God damn I'll it. show you. Yeah. 
Um, so like I would I would read anything I, that was nearby. Um, that was a big thing. I was also really into bugs. Um, okay. So we had a backyard, and I would just go out and like they, you know, those fuzzy bumblebees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they don't really hurt anybody. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would go out, and they were fluffy. So I would just sit there with my little finger out and pet them. Um, oh used to come in with like slugs up my arms that my mom would be like, <laughs> "Get out." <laughs> um, so yeah, really, I really liked, always liked, you know, animals kind of poking around at stuff outside. Um, those were the big ones. I mean, my parents are big movie TV people. So we, you know, watched a ton of that. They, I think, didn't really believe in putting limits on what I watched past okay. a certain point, like past a reasonable point. They weren't going to show yeah, yeah. me like, you know, real gore when I was five, but <laughs> they were, you know, pretty like, all right, you're mature enough to watch, say like Braveheart now. Okay, oh, here cool. you go. Um, so that was cool. I was able to kind of get a good sense of of media as it were yeah, <laughs> 90s. that's pretty like a pretty good uh media intake at that point so you yeah good movies good books good tv and what music were you listening to as a child mm, when i was like little um so my my mom's funny she does not listen to music like, like she's like no like and she also like can't hum like she's like a musical um wow. she with one exception she loves swing and like she has one cd she listens to the stray cats and that's it that's amazing <laughs> that's it um which is fantastic and i respect it my dad um like when we would go on like a car trip to visit family and stuff we would listen to a lot of garth brooks so it's and lone star um who else uh oh my god what's her name another country artist allison kraus yeah um and then also like pink floyd like classic rock stuff uh meatloaf loved meatloaf um That's such a cool juxtaposition of different genres it's weird because too like now an album like a like a lone star song will come on and it's like how do i know everywhere to this ridiculous <laughs> song like <ugh. laughs> seared into my brain and how did all this start to culminate in your creativity um oh i think you know I think that if you are a kid and you're left enough to your own devices, you'll kids are inherently creative. Like they put stuff together, they try things. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're able to sort of be in a soup of a lot of stuff, you'll it, it's you're in a very like um, I had a professor in college who because I, I went to school for journalism and he would always say like your job is to be basically a recording device. Like you're not supposed to like put your you know views on things like re record and kind of backfilling over my childhood I think like as a kid I was very much recording everything and like absorbing a lot of stuff so then by the time I got to high school and college it was sort of I was able to smelt start smelting things together and people in my family are also like big storytellers like we all like everyone has their kind of repertoire so it's like I think it was a mode I was always really familiar with and and it's like, yeah, this is the stuff I do all day and watch and read. So I'm gonna surely I this is what everyone does and I'll do it too. <laughs> Why not? Not realizing like that's not a good career choice. <laughs> <laughs> and what were what were your first like or what were your favorite things uh that you dabbled on back then or even while while you're growing up in your formative years? Yeah, I so I actually when I was younger, I used to 
do a lot more visual art. So I would paint and draw a lot more. You know, I definitely believe that it's with most creative pursuits are down to craft and work, but I definitely didn't have the same inclination or like spark of talent that I did for writing that, for visual art. Like I just was not on the same level. So it's like, okay, this is, I, this will be a path of far more suffering for me <laughs> trying to write. Um, so yeah, I used, I used to paint a lot. I used to draw a lot. Uh, and then I started writing, I think really, I always would write little stories and things down, but I think the first kind of short stories I can think of were in, that were coherent in a sense, <laughs> um, were in a, a high school class that I took, uh, like right a world lit class in junior year with a fantastic teacher. Um, and she would be like, all right, we're gonna read Dante's Inferno and now you're gonna write a version of it. It's like, all right, sure. Dude, that's awesome. Tilted some windmills. Um, it was fun, yeah. And what kind of did you have like OCs as a kid? <laughs> um, that's a good one. Hmm. I'm sure my mom has all of this stuff in a scrapbook somewhere. I <laughs> am now curious to like go back and look. I definitely, I'm trying to remember the kinds of I so I went through like a heavy duty poetry phase. Oh, in high man. school and college, like where that's like most of what I would write. And then I was writing like more literary stuff for a long time. Um, so I think like if I had OCs, they were like, they weren't interesting. <laughs> like, you know, when you're writing in high school, it's like you're trying to kind of ape the things you're reading and like you haven't had experiences yet. Like, I don't know what the fuck. I'm talking about Tiffany, you don't know what true love is. You're only yeah, 15. Exactly. Um, and I don't know what the hell is like. I just read this one story. So I, yeah, none are coming to mind probably because they're all very bland. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to get those reps in though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And where along the line did you come to that realization that like artistically you plateaued and you're like, I should probably focus more intently on writing <laughs> i think it was an ap art class i took in college and uh, oh, not dang. in college in, in high school in high school um <laughs> i was gonna say that's a <laughs> the dream had been left behind in college yeah no uh ap ap art class in in high school um that i was taking with some really talented friends who you know and you know sometimes you just look around and you're like i mm, eh, nope that ain't good <laughs> um yeah, and it was really a kind of a self-awareness thing, I think. Of, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people who have gone on to be really good and have concentrated really hard. Like, I, I, I look at this stuff sometimes on YouTube of, like, 14-year-olds who are like, oh, this was my art two years ago, and this is me now. And it's, like, freaking, like, Michelangelo-level <laughs> renderings in Procreate. Just like, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. the thing two years earlier was like pretty you know like sketchy and well what the hell do they have to stress about where that would take them away from their art i don't know they're 14. <laughs> that's at least that's that's how i try to comfort myself they're like <laughs> oh you know i just whipped this is my prep this is my warm-up sketch 
Like, you little idiot. You don't, <laughs> you haven't paid a bill in your life. <laughs> you had 12 hours today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're also, they're growing so fast at that point. Like your brain's just really oh, yeah. rocking and rolling. So yeah. Yeah. And when about did you start gravitating back towards comic stuff? Yeah. So I read them pretty consistently throughout my life, but I didn't start actually buying them for myself until I was in college and I had a job I could mm -hmm. afford to buy them myself. Uh, so there was this great comic shop on, I think it was on Lexington, it's gone now, on like oh, Lexington okay. right across, yeah, from Gramercy, um, that it was it was one of those really weird ones. It was up on the second, I all of them in New York City besides Forbidden Planet basically, or like the ones out in Brooklyn are like, they're on like the third floor of a building with this weird little sign and you have to like, Oh, that's you know, wild. Even Midtown Comics, like they're all like up some rickety stairs. It's really part of the charm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like the big Midtown in in Midtown, um, you have to like look for the sign and then go up these like weird wooden stairs and it's a whole thing. Um, so it was kind of one of those. And it was great. It was just a big room of short boxes and like things weren't really labeled that well. And it was oh, the cool. digging was the fun. Like I love mm -hmm. places like that. So um, at that point, I bought like fables, like start to finish. Um, I picked up all the class, like picked up Watchmen and Be Prevented mm -hmm. and all like the classes swamp thing. Um, and then I started just kind of picking up what was interesting to me of single issues. So, yeah. like I really loved the um, the Green Lantern arc, like brightest night, uh, brightest day, blackest night. I think it was. Um, yeah. And you know, just kind of like dabbling in, in, in things I found interesting. But what I would do was like collect uh, trade paperbacks for series that were pretty much finished because <laughs> I knew I knew what was, you know, out there for me and that I could like, okay, Fables is basically done. I can mm -hmm. get every single one of these, which I like because I'm a completionist. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my where I had autonomy <laughs> to like pick what I wanted to read instead of like going shopping on the bookshelf at home did you find that like pretty liberating like although you're, you say your dad did have good taste in comics but now it's just like boom the world is your oyster oh yeah definitely and like right i could pick up what i wanted nobody was judging me like i didn't have to you know i have to write a book report it now i didn't make me do that but um yeah it was and they were mine you know it's like these are my books now it's pretty cool um yeah and it was it's just fun to comic book stores are fun oh my gosh yeah that's <laughs> i don't preach to the choir but <laughs> well it's ever since the pandemic like i personally i try to spend like maybe under an hour but i miss you know just going through every goddamn dollar box yeah yeah yep because you don't know what's in there maybe mm -hmm. somebody really messed up <laughs> that's the best <laughs> bring something oh. clearly labeled, labeled a dollar to the front like i'm sorry this is the tag yeah <laughs> and when okay so we've got you just spreading your wings you are buying what you want to buy you are writing focused what was the first comic project of your own that you recollect working on uh so it was andrast a which is the series that is i've still it's kind of on pause right now um but i started working on that so this has been a theme for me with my comic projects is I also write a lot of prose and I still like write in different forms. Um, but 
oftentimes I will get to a point with a story where it's like, all right, I can't, like, this isn't a story. <laughs> Just like, I'm not a visual artist. It's like, this isn't a short story. It's a comic. It's got to be. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what happened there. Uh, so that story came from reading about um, Boudicca after I had studied abroad and seen her statue. And, you know, it's this hugely epic war story with kind of Celtic mythology and Roman mm -hmm. mythology behind it. And it's it's just a wonderful story. And it's been it's been done, you know, but it, it hasn't been done to death. It's not like, yeah. you know, Caesar uh, or, you know, the American Revolution where it's like, all right, we have 700 movies about this. <laughs> it felt like, all right, I you know, this is kind of an opportunity maybe to really learn about this person and, and mm -hmm. talk about her. Um, so that was the first one I started working on. I actually, my, one of my friends from that high school APR class, <laughs> um, she was kind of getting into comics at that point. So we started developing a little it a little bit together. And then she decided she wasn't able to keep working on it, you know, in the long term, because it's a huge yeah. project. Uh, so at that point, I started, I found on Facebook, a wonderful group of people. Uh, it's called Connecting Comic Writers and Artists. <laughs> Uh, and I found uh, Unai, who is uh, the main artist on the series, and that was it. Basically, I, I yeah started started working on that, and I actually we actually started producing those issues in I think it was 2019. Uh, in the in the before times. Yeah, really great timing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you are writing, does uh, well first off, do you listen to music or? Stone Cold sounds like a psychopath. It like my mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only stray cats. Just do see Riot over and over again. No, I. Uh... <laughs> Ryan Setzer, fill me up. Um, it, it does depend on what phase I'm in. All of the my favorite things that I've written actually have come from. I always listen to music when I'm running or I'm walking and usually what I'll do is imagine what I used to do as a teenager. I don't know if you did this too. It's like you imagine music videos for things and Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's the trailer for the book. Right. Right. Um, so Andraste came from a Florence and the Machine song uh, that is fantastic. And I just kept like listening to when I was running and thinking of, you know, and it, it I think your brain sometimes needs time to like sit with information because that Boudicca stuff was already in there. And I knew that mm -hmm. I loved her. Um, and then the song kind of like knit everything together. And New Red City was sort of a similar thing of, I was listening to a song by Lord Huron when I was out running and like, it like was this- Wait, running to Lord Huron? Yeah. <laughs> you think listening into Stone Cold Silence is a psychopathic <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I think working out sad bastard music is just the best way to go. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Brooklyn for a while. You have to do things like that where they kick you out. Um, yeah, so I... Th that music is definitely usually like kind of part of the fertile ground that things come out of. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm actually writing something, I will often have just like classical music going in the background. I really like Dvorak and um, just like there are, you know, fun YouTube playlists. That are so embarrassing. I didn't know what this meant. So there are like these YouTube playlists that's like, dark academia playlist or like light academia playlist. And I was like, I don't know what this means, but it's great classical music. And then I figured out there's this whole, I'm a thousand years old too. There's this like whole sort of 
Tumblr-ish subculture of like these different aesthetics that people have built out. There's a whole Wikipedia wiki for these really? aesthetics. It's amazing. So like there's this sort of cottage industry of people who make these fantastic playlists themed to these aesthetics. And they have their little Ko-Fi things and they like write up, you know, all the timestamps and there's like a million comments on these videos. It's like, this helped me pass my test. It's really sweet. So you're telling me there's a world outside of Lo-Fi Beats, the playlist? There, it's a wide world. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. Uh, this is, I was today years <laughs> old as well. How about that? I know. And we're going to roll in on all the kids. Are just, God damn it. It's not cool anymore. <laughs> they found us. Yeah. And uh, the thing I was going to ask is, is there a difference in your preparation when you're writing prose to when you're writing comics? Um, I think I am much more of a planner when I'm writing comics. Okay. And there's like, um, what is it? It's like this dichotomy that people sometimes talk about of like, are you a pantser or like a plan? I, it's not planner, but I think that might, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you write kind of by, like you fly by the seat of your pants and just write as it comes or do you really plan? Um, and I definitely with prose, I'll get an idea and it just sort of flows. And I then, you know, put it to the side and come back and work on it. Um, with comics, I've found that as long as I have the seed of that idea and I can kind of write a rough outline for it, that's as far as I want to get by just pantsing and like <laughs> right. free, you know, writing. Uh, because then it's, you know, you look up and you have like six pages with eight panels on them. And, you know, it's just like, oh, God damn it. I can't do this. <laughs> damn it, damn it. So I definitely have to plan comics a little bit more and I found that it just makes everything smoother. And is it same music from prose mm -hmm. and comics? Um, yeah, I think I am like less apt to listen to music when I'm writing comics actually, which is really? interesting. Yeah, I never actually thought about that before. And maybe it's because I'm focusing more on what I'm, it's more like I'm constructing, you know, I'm trying to trying to do things, two things at once already. Like I'm trying to picture the page and also re render it in writing. Um, so it's just a third thing would be too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of you guessed it, comics, coffee, and metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics, coffee, metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? All right. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. So I'm gonna have a question. Just to, to preface, everything is the exact same as it is now okay <laughs> however 
you find out that every night your cats actually have a foot long thin prehensile tongue and they stick it into your head and they taste your dreams okay and then when they're done tasting your dreams they talk about it but you don't hear them. except one night you find this out a is that fucked up and b how do you live your life from that point on i mean a you should write that comic because that would be <laughs> great and i think it would be a fantastic one shot i love it um b i don't think it would bother me that much because i assume that would be kind of normal like everything's you know the same like how would we is it just my cats i guess is my question like are my cats the only cats in the world that do this otherwise surely we'd be aware that cats do this what if it's not like what, what is this something you would pursue like do you tell anyone hey you won't believe okay, I would tell people. <laughs> <laughs> i'd be taking videos oh my god yeah let's i mean i'm a really heavy sleeper so it's possible i would never they could be doing it right now this is actually know. a simulation yeah <laughs> they're testing me they're, they're watching um yeah i so Yes, I think that is pretty fucked up. Any anything putting its tongue in your ear is just like not <laughs> something this really really gross about it. But also, cats can like both taste dreams and talk. I think like the world might be a better place. I don't know. Well, we don't even. What do you imagine their voices sound like? I have my answer, <laughs> and I want to hear yours. Oh my god, um, I do their voices a lot for just when I'm talking to them around the house, I don't know if I'm ready to debut them to the world. Uh, they all do have different voices. Honor, we only have six listeners. I know. <laughs> I know, but they'll be horrified. <laughs> they'll never come back. Um, I, so they all, you know, cats all have like different meow voices too. So like yeah. Ren sounds like a klaxon. Like she has the most, she's like, Mwah. so I think she would actually probably sound like Fran Drescher to what, you know, we were talking about earlier. I mm -hmm. think that would be like her voice because she's very loud and kind of has the like, Mwah. um, Peanut would sound like a Disney princess. She has this very like sweet kind of melodious, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think cheese. He's just like a big lunk. Like he's like a big, nice lunk. So I imagine he would sound like John Cena. Really? Yeah. That's what I think of like nice, large man, you know? In my head, in my dumb, dumb brain, I think of the late Lorenzo Music, who did the voice of Garfield and Friends. Oh, and no. Gummy. Like he's my big, dumb, yeah. lunk voice. That would be, that would work too. That would work yeah. too, for sure. For sure. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, the cats would have just these wet, deep, gross voices, <laughs> like really unsettling. Hey, 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 you won't believe it. And you <laughs> they gotta talk around the horrible tongue. So you're right; they might just be like, "He was dreaming about coffee cake again." <laughs> like just horrible in the bag of the <laughs> a lot of. It's all yeah. having to like. Yeah. Because, you know, we're Somebody just shut off the podcast. <laughs> just, They'll be back. We have a, a nice... great... Our six <laughs> listeners are just top of the pops. <laughs> so, 
we have reached a point where I'm going to ask you five questions that we ask every guest that are based of Jim, Jim, Jim Lipton, as though we're best friends, <laughs> me and Jimmy Lips, uh, <laughs> inside the actor's studio. Are you familiar with the, the show? I am. I actually have a fun family story that I hope doesn't get me in trouble if your six listeners say something. Uh, my mom sincerely believes, as does my aunt, that Jimmy Lips stole inside the actor's studio from her cousin, Richard Brown, who has been running a movies one-on-one class at NYU since 1970. Uh, and he has like actors and directors come on and talk like he's had huge people on um and now it's like he'll have you know like i think it's first class he had like mel brooks because mel brooks was like his neighbor and he was like hey we don't have anybody to talk to the class you want to come in um and it it sort of went from there but yeah now he does it well he did pre-pandemic do them in like a big auditorium they're really cool but it's it's he's a really good interviewer and it's like and i'm not just saying that because he's my mom's cousin um (laughs) I barely know him. He's, but he's a very nice man. Uh, but he, uh, he, it's the same kind of format where he, you know, will have really interesting conversations with people, and then like he shows the movie that they're talking about. But he's been doing it since 1970, and Inside the Actor Studio started in 1994. So just saying. Well, now I'm curious as to when. Uh, I like how this became a James Lipton retrospective. <laughs> uh, first, it was cat talk. Now it's James Lipton. Because um, I know the Inside the Actor Studio was was uh, formulated from the classes that he taught at that place? Yeah, and I forget what school he was at, but he was in this, I think he was maybe at Columbia, because I think he was in the city. But yeah, but, yeah, I don't think he was teaching it in the 70s. No, 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 yeah. it was much earlier. Well, in, in your dead face, Jimmy Lips, yeah. uh, <laughs> you lose. So. <laughs> Richard Brown's still here. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the winner now? Yeah. Um, back to the, back to normalcy a little Sorry. bit. No, no, no. It's great. We we always talk about James Lipton in such adversarial tones. <laughs> Number one, uh, what is your favorite sequential arts sound effect? Oh, uh, I think it's gotta be foom, like f o o m, like something goes really fast, really fast. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Now, if you were a letterer, letterer and or artist, how would you have it depicted on in, in your comic? Yeah, I think probably following the line of whatever was moving across the panel and getting smaller with it towards the horizon line, like but like kind of a, you know, pinch yeah, yeah. at the end. Um, it, maybe speed lines, I guess, you know, you could do that if you wanted to, or probably just like following the line of the of the movement. And it's just F-O-O-M or yeah, infinite or, O's. As to, oh, as... yeah, yeah. All right. Or like the sound of something like getting sucked down a pneumatic tube. I think it could be used for it too, like that, like Yeah. Foof. Yeah. That's a good sound. I like that sound. And number two, what is something that you love about sequential art? Um I like I think there are a lot of things that comics and poetry have in common. And the thing that I love about both of them is that they are for the reader much closer in my mind to having the actual experience that's being depicted than anything else. So like in a movie, you're sort of like a prisoner to the speed that the director wants you to see things at. And that's why like 
action scenes are totally inscrutable nowadays. Um, like you're, you know, you're seeing through somebody else's eyes in a way. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at a comic, like it's a visual medium, you're also seeing what the artist is depicting, but you can spend as much time with each panel as you want to. And, yeah. you know, if it's a very, an artist who works in a really detailed way, like that's one joy. If it's a really spare kind of artwork style, then that's, you know, another joy is like, the pacing of how you're going through the work. Um, and I think that is different for everybody, which is really cool. And where that overlaps with poetry is, you know, poetry is a very image heavy medium. If you like read a poem, that's usually what gets pulled out to, to depict. It's like, if you're writing a poem about being at the beach, it's not a narrative of like, and then I walk down the sand in front of my towel. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're getting the, the, something that's as close to the actual sensations of what what the person experienced as possible and i i think i comics are like one level of abstraction up from poetry and i, I really like the reading experience of both of those things and i think it's really cool too that you um you know in a comic book you have that you're giving the reader like more agency maybe feels yeah. like than you do with a novel um or a lot of other other types of media yeah right on um and the flip side of this, uh, unfortunately, is three. <laughs> what is something you dislike about sequential art? Nothing. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no notes. Love it. I think there are definitely like things that the industry could do a better job of, for sure. Like it's hard. It's hard to get into. Um, I think a lot of people um, feel exploited because of the expense of making books. It's really, you know, and you, I pay all the artists that I work with. So it's like a, a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's like more than worth it. But I know that counts a lot of people out who have fantastic books in them. And it, it that sucks. Um, and I think, you know, that can kind of be said. That, that's, I think that's more, that's art <laughs> nowadays. Like, Unfortunately, a lot of yeah. people have a wonderful novel in them and they are working, you know, 60 hours a week. And that, you know, that is sort of the state of things. There isn't enough arts funding in this country. Um, so like, I think that's where probably most of my criticisms are. I think too, it's an old industry that um, is, I think where, you know, some parts of it are trying to modernize, some parts of it are, and it's it's been hard for, everybody i think computers <laughs> really the internet really threw a curveball in there for human human <laughs> civilization but um i think especially like i'm i'm thinking right now of the whole comicsology debacle which oh, like gosh man i miss that guy in view and it's it's so hard because that was a great like product that was a great way to read comics and now it's gone and it feels like you know they're they're so as as a medium they're um I think often discounted as like trash is not the right word, but just like sub, like less, less than, than novels, yeah. less than film. And that's not the case at all. Um, we know that, but you know, that's why I think comicsology kind of got the shaft and it wasn't like re respected as, as a, a product that was worth maintaining in its, mm. you know, state because whoever was, you know, moved off of the project definitely cared about it, but then it was moved in and it, it was messy. And I definitely like can empathize with the developers who were <laughs> fielding all that things. Like it's not their fault, but um, it's, it, 
I wish there was like just a really good comic reader that somebody would like, come on, somebody, build it. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> and moving on from the depression pit. Yeah. Um, number four, what is your favorite swear word that's not actually a swear word? You know, swearing is a national sport where I come from. Um, <laughs> this is a very disrespectful question. No, um, I really, I love the word gormless. Just it's, like, it's like a punch, you know, gormless. Like it's, and nobody really knows what it means, which unless you're in England, because that's, it's a very Britishy word. But mm -hmm. if you say it to somebody here, they're like, I know that was derogatory, but I don't know why. And it, proves that they're gormless. And it's a, it's using it as a, a not swear and pairing it with a swear. Like it's a good one, like a gormless fuck. Yeah. It's really one, two, right in the yep. kisser. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, stacking, stacking curse words is great. My dad is very good at that. Um, <laughs> like you just, especially when he's driving, it's just like, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> it's good. Have you ever taken like a recorder just to use some of these things in your pieces? I know I, I should do that one day. I should just like carry one around. That's one thing I love doing. This is actually it was something I used to do more, um, especially before the pandemic. So I would do a lot of my writing on trains because I don't know why it was. I think it was sort of a forcing function of like, can't look at my phone, can't get distracted. Like I just have my notebook and I'm underground. Um, but you hear things all the time and I, Definitely, like, I think if you're in New York City and there's that constant, or any city, you know, there's sort of a constant murmur around you that you kind of develop an ear for things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I definitely, my parents, you know, cadences certainly slip into dialogue sometimes and it's fun. <laughs> They're just people I hear. Um, but, yeah, I should I should really just make one of those like old school soundboard things of just like oh my his greatest hits. I, do you remember the, uh, I love these tangents so far, uh, <laughs> the Arnold Schwarzenegger or the Samuel L. Jackson soundboards? I remember, I don't know, I don't think I ever saw the Schwarzenegger one. I definitely remember the Samuel L. Jackson one. That one was great. With the Schwarzenegger, it's just, it. Would it be friend, like three things? Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, we always use, who is your daddy? What did he do? <laughs> and I'm like, he's not a puma. We just rotate between those, and the prank calls are very short, but oh very god. good. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that his accent is basically the same as the actress who played Anna Delvey on that Netflix show. Now, like, you know, if you're trying to do her accent, is it Schwarzenegger? Is it her? I don't know. That's pretty great. <laughs> it's a toss up. Yeah, it's a toss up. <laughs> well. I have some bad news for you. You were uh, recently elected mayor of Long Island. <laughs> oh, shit. And during your coronation cer ceremony, because I'm assuming that's that's what they do there, correct? They do. It's a giant bagel. Um, <laughs> it is flown in by a seagull mm -hmm. who then eats it on your head. That's what we do. And you're and everyone's wearing uh, New York Islanders jerseys. Yes. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, right as you're you're about to ascend to the mayoral uh <laughs> minivan yeah yes. uh a would-be uh usurper has planted bombs all around it and as soon as your tuckus hits the, the cushion uh -huh. boom that's all she wrote 
However, you are taken to what we uh, suppose is heaven. And while you're there, you look over and you see this, this tiny, uh, brow-beaten, cranky man at a drafting board, just furiously scribbling thousands of little circles. And it's actually Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby, uh-huh. the king of American comics. Yep. What do you think he says to you? Or what do you hope he says to you? I mean, I, I would hope he was drawing a picture of my failed explosive coronation and then he would turn around and be like, look at this shit. Free charge. <laughs> Isn't this ridiculous? Yeah. Sucker. Because <laughs> he's a he's a New Yorker born and bred like till yes. the day he died. Yep. Yep. New Yorker, New York Jew, just like me. It's we're <laughs> we're really the same person, I think. No. <laughs> no, so, no, so you get there and Basically. you're like, I'm looking in a mirror. This is yeah. incredible heaven. Oh, right. Right. He'd be like, thank God you're here. No, 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 no. I think he would make fun of me brutally um, for, for my seagull, bagel minivan explosion thing. It's not even a good way to go. I, I like to think that's what he'd say. That was yeah. even a good way. That wasn't even a good way to go. That's, that is what he, that's what he'd say. That's what he'd say. Yeah. Well, Otter, thank you so much for joining me. Where can folks find you on them socials? Yeah, so I am uh, at R Honor V on most things, rhonorv.com and at R Honor V on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and my comic uh, that's kickstarting right now is New Rat City about New York. So if you like hearing me talk about that, you can go check that out. Um, that's at newratcitycomic.com. And then there's also Andrus Day at andrustedcomic.com. Hooray! Well, thank you again for joining us. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, agreed. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. What's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now